Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. I am Mithila, your host this week and every single week on this podcast. Hey guys, I am Kunal and Mithila, it seems literally just like we recorded only a few days ago, but here we go again. We are back on the show. We are back in this, you know, in the studio. We are back to record yet another episode in this really long off season. And guys, this is the 12th episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast of 2020 already. Yeah, and guys, we have been under self-isolation for over 14 days now. And all I can say is if we can do it, so can you. So remember, keep your distance. We're all in this fight together. You know, I should just insert out here right away that this message has been issued in public interest because that's how you just sounded out there. Actually, we all have to do our bit. I thought of a way to say it in motorsport language. You know, Tell us, tell us. Uh, well, uh, flatten the curve just the way racing car drivers straighten the chicane. Wow, there you go. I think there's no better way to explain it, Kunal. Well, thanks. And guys, in case y'all were wondering, if y'all were ever wondering, this is exactly why Kunal is my co-host and co-driver on the show. It's always about racing for him. Always. Even in the times of Corona. Yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> even more so in the times of Corona. I don't even think Formula One's going to have 12 races. We've already had 12 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Let's see how it goes. Uh, but that's also about it. You know about coronavirus in this episode. I think we all hear and read about the virus literally everywhere we look. And uh, so we're going to give you a break from that. Yeah, okay. Social I'm... distancing from corona for a little bit. <laughs> okay, I admit that this week's uh, key discussion point actually stems from the coronavirus. But don't worry, it's not about the virus. It's about Max Verstappen and if he can become the sport's youngest ever Formula One world champion. And in fact, it's only in 2020 when Max Verstappen can actually claim the tag of being the youngest ever It champion. is his last chance, literally. And you know, Kunal, all through winter, Verstappen, Red Bull Racing, and I think all of us believe that the biggest obstacle to Max Verstappen becoming the youngest world champion ever was Lewis Hamilton and, of course, Mercedes. True. But now, it all could be down to this tiny, invisible virus that stands between <laughs> Verstappen and, like, uh, greatness. Yes, so for those of you listening to this trailer, you guys are welcome to tune into the full episode. Just search for the Inside Line F1 podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Uh, podcasts on and we'll be there to entertain you and guys it's a really really fun episode so please tune in looking forward to that yes so also in this episode we will 
discuss if Formula One drivers would have gotten paid a salary for all the cancelled races in 2020. And we're also going to discuss some of the more outrageous statements made by none other than Helmut Marco. And you know Kunal, he actually spoke about Verstappen catching the virus. And he was not joking. Yeah, crazy stuff, right? (laughs) And we're going to speak about all the cancelled races, the loss of revenue, and if Formula One will actually use this opportunity to reduce costs for the sport. Right, so let's dive right in. Uh, I'm going to start with Max Verstappen. Uh, like we just said, it's his only chance to becoming the sport's youngest ever world champion. And if he does that, he will actually take the tag away from Sebastian Vettel, who became the youngest ever world champion while he was racing for Red Bull, right? But for that to happen, we need at least eight races this season. Uh, so that the season is labeled as the world championship season. Correct. And that's like the bare minimum. And that's actually what needs to happen before we even begin to realize if Red Bull and Honda are competitive together or not. Wow. So it's like a two-step process. And Kunal, can you imagine? So if Max Verstappen wins, but the season doesn't have, you know, the minimum eight races. So it isn't like a world championship season. Oh, God. I think Dutch fans are going to go crazy just trying to prove how his win was a worthy one. And just trying to wrap their heads around the sheer injustice of it all, you know? You know, to be crowned a world champion on uh, or rather to not be crowned a world champion purely on technical grounds would be such a shame irrespective of whichever team or driver you know eventually wins it and uh, it's actually not their season if the season's been a shorter one you know to put it in as many words that's very true and you know also Kunal a shorter season uh, would mean a very different approach to the entire season because you know it's lesser mistakes from each team and driver and they would need to be far more consistent literally earning every single point they can at every race you know rather than just playing the waiting game and trying to build up through the season absolutely yeah and I think a shorter season also means that teams won't have that much time to repair their package you know on an ongoing basis so they just have to make sure that they turn up and hope everything works and grab those points yeah it's no longer going to be about oh we'll be stronger through the second half of the season because that's also what Fettel said in the preseason test you know when they realized that Ferrari weren't as quick he said oh it's a long season and maybe who knows we could just come back stronger in the second half but mm, there no. may not be a second <laughs> half or rather the second half will or there'll only be, be a second <laughs> half <laughs> but that's what you know we don't know if a shorter season might just make things that much more fun in the world of Formula a One. A sprint like, instead of a marathon. That would yeah. be cool. And, you know, we've all been trained to sort of believe that we need 25-odd races to be entertained. And, I mean, yes, we need 25-odd races because that's where all the money is to be made. But a shorter season might just be that much more fun. And, by the way, since we're talking about the number of races... Chase Carey is hopeful that they're going to be like 15 or 16 races in 2020. I mean, I really hope for our sake, for Formula One's sake, and you know, for the sake of the drivers, we have all those races. But no one knows, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's just giving a very rough estimated guess. And uh, I get this feeling that with every passing week, whenever Formula One makes a statement, the number just decreases by a couple of, <laughs> you know, couple of rounds each time. But Pierre Gasly, he's uh, stuck in Dubai and he's he's beefing himself up for triple headers. And, you know, I was just wondering, you know, when I was preparing my notes for this episode, that could we actually see a quadruple header in the 2020 wow. Formula One season? I mean... 
Can you imagine four races back to back? That sounds exhausting and exciting at the yeah, same time. Yeah, I mean, you know, while I was growing up and I used to love Formula One, and at that time there were definitely a fort. There was always a fortnight between races. I used to often wonder to myself, there are 52 weekends in the year. Why don't we just have 52 races? <laughs> and the closest we could get is having a quadruple header. And, uh, you know, if weekends become available in Europe, Formula One might just go for it. Who knows? And Who why knows, not? right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And I also wonder, Kunal, which would be the first race of the season? Uh, because Azerbaijan, they pulled out of hosting their race in June. This happened just a few days ago. And after that, there's Canada and there's France. And Canada said there's like a 50-50% chance that they'd host the race. But let's remember that Canada was the first country to pull out from sending its athletes to the Olympics. So, yeah, yeah if you ask me, Canada is just being very hopeful, like Chase Carey, and just being nice <laughs> to us fans. They're just you know? chasing Formula One. Yeah, they don't want to. The virus is slowing down. Oh, they don't want to break our hearts prematurely. <laughs> and speaking of France, we know that uh, Paul Ricard is shut for the moment, at least. So that doesn't seem likely. But Helmut Marko wants the Austrian Grand Prix to go ahead and thinks that Formula 1 should have actually raced in Australia as well. Yes, he actually said that. He said the sport should have made a statement and, you know, put out some positivity out there and raced in Australia. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that Marko's actually said over the last few days. Lots of fun, controversial stuff. We're going to leave that aside for a few minutes. And come back to that. I'm very excited to talk about it. So, you know, back to the 2020 calendar I don't know and I don't care which race is the first race of the season, to be honest, because I also have another way of looking at it, like, right, that if uh, the virus has left China, as they claim that it has, can China actually be the first race of the season in 2020? I mean, who knows? That could be a possibility. That would be such an irony, you know, like the country where this pandemic started. And that just ends up being the first uh, country to host the first race of the season. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I can't wrap my head around it. There'll be a lot of political backlash around that. But on a more serious note, you know, for 2021 to happen, Formula One needs 2020 to happen. That's the simple economic truth, right? Uh, Let's remember the teams already have spent their millions on the 2020 Formula One campaign, but their biggest source of revenue has dried up, which is uh, earning money from Formula One for racing in Formula One. That's a good point. And Kunal, I think we should all remember that Formula One teams will actually get payments from Formula One in 2020. And, you know, these are their earnings from 2019, of course. True, yes. But it's next year's payments for 2021. And, uh, you know, that's what we need to be racing for, you know, in 2020. So if there's no racing this year, next year is going to be pretty bleak for them. Yeah, and which is why, you know, bringing all these financial regulations in and working on a budget cap might just actually help uh, Formula One teams go through the whole process. But I couldn't uh, agree more. We are in extreme states of volatility, even in terms of Formula One ownership. But we're going to leave that for the next episode the share price is really low for F1. Yeah, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how this could actually be a great opportunity for Formula One to realize that needs to reduce costs. Uh, I As of read, fact, yesterday. Yes, yeah. I read that Jean Todt is in favor of reducing the budget cap further from, what, $175 million per team per season. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, why not strike when the iron is hot? That's literally what he's trying to do. Exactly. I'm yeah. in favor of a budget cut uh, yeah. lower than 175 million. Is Guys, that. we've been talking about it on the podcast and it really does seem to be the need of the hour. And in fact, Jean-Todd made a reference to Max Mosley's budget cap from what, almost a decade ago. Yes. And he mentioned 40 million euros as the number. Per, per season, per team. Yeah. Right? yeah and yeah. that's like, wow, going from opulence to absolute austerity. <laughs> very, very unFormula One like. Well, all the best to Jean Todd as he works his way around reducing costs for Formula One team operations. The irony is that the teams want to keep spending more, right? So, <laughs> but I assume that in this 40 million or whenever the budget caps actually come in and they're lowered and so on, there will be a lots of, there will be lots of exclusions. Uh, I think that's fine. But just making teams financially viable is always such a big plus to the business and the ecosystem of Formula One, right? The only thing, though, is please do not take away our motorhomes because that's what I read Ross Braun claiming that he's eager for teams to ditch their motorhomes. And I really hope that for once, no one's listening to uh, to, to Ross Braun. Yeah, I mean, I love the team motorhomes. I mean, each one of them has this, you know, unique identity and vibe. And it literally feels like a home for the team on track when they're, you know, traveling and all of that. But, uh, and in fact, Kunal, when I was, I, I just remembered, when I was reporting from my first race, my favorite motorhome was the McLaren motorhome. I was really impressed because it was very grand and, you know, very futuristic, of course. But it also had this very secretive vibe to it, you know. Yeah. Very intimidating at the same time. So, to me, the best coffee is available in the Williams Motorhome. Hands ah, down, right? I got to check that one out. Yeah, but I, I must tell uh, you guys, I'd love to share with you guys that I actually had a desk to myself in the Force India Motorhome back in time when it was Force India and not something else. Fancy. Right. And uh, honestly, to me, I literally love how they convert trucks into motorhomes for the European races. That in itself is another engineering marvel, you know. It is, it is, literally. Uh, But uh, luckily, Christian Horner said that Formula One will not take away the motorhomes. So I guess we're okay, right? Yeah, I mean... If Horner says so, it must be true. (laughs) Well, I hope so. I mean, reduce costs elsewhere. The motorhomes are actually very unique to the sport and in you know in their own ways and they've created this whole identity like you spoke about and uh, i can also tell you guys that the flyaway races barely actually have a motorhome in fact i, I would say that they have huts okay and um, like in singapore for example it's like a mid-sized hut that can seat maybe 20 or 30 people during a meal time. That also sounds very un-Formula One-like when yeah. you say it like that, hut. <laughs> but I must say this for our listeners from India, right? And of course, for all the other listeners as well. The motorhomes at uh, both the international circuit, the venue for the Indian Grand Prix, were absolutely spectacular. They were spacious and, you know, like, uh, for example, Abu Dhabi, they were multi-storied, but they just had so much more space. Awesome. Now let's get back to discussing the budget cap. Uh, Kunal, Christian Horner made yet another suggestion and uh, this time it was for the engine manufacturers. And mind you, it impacts Red Bull racing the most because they of course make the chassis and Honda provides the power unit and all of that. So uh, Horner said that the budget cap should be introduced on engine development as well. And I think that's a very interesting suggestion. It also reflects Honda's views towards, you know, the cost of developing their power units. And let's remember, guys, Honda is yet to commit long term to Formula One. So let's see if Formula One actually introduces such a cost cap 
for engine manufacturers as well. It's a very smart suggestion from Christian Horner, I must very say. Very clever, right? Anyway, this leads us to our next topic. Kunal, we know that there's no team, uh, the rev- there's no revenue for the teams in 2020. But do you think the drivers are getting paid at all? I mean, of course, there are all these unofficial driver earning reports and those come out at this time of the year, actually. But I really wonder if drivers have been paid in 2020 yet or if they're going to be paid for these uh, opening months. You know, there is no easy way to get an exact answer, but I will try and make some assumptions. So drivers are under contract with teams. So, you know, like every contractor, they would be submitting an invoice at the end of the month or after every race. To the team and then the team would you know sort of be paying that afterwards right yeah it's just that their invoice would probably have like a few more zeros than most <laughs> of our invoices <laughs> true right so uh, you know a driver's earning is also connected to the number of races in the season that's that's my understanding so there's like a per race calculation of a fixed and a variable fee and so on so if we hear that Lewis Hamilton's being paid a 40 million dollar check for the year then there are 20 races you can do the math right But uh, so there is, like I said, a fixed and a variable fee. The variable fee is connected to, you know, how many points you score, the wins uh, that you get, how many podium finishes you get and so on. Right. So by this logic, I think it's tough to imagine that the drivers would have actually been paid uh, in 2020, apart for some fees for the cancelled race in Australia and some sim work, etc. that they would have done. True, and I guess the media appearances for like, you know, the car launches and pre-season testing and all of that, they're part of the contract. So I'm guessing some money towards that, but not the big bucks that the races would have given. I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, sadly. But I just hope like, you know, all, all the other contract workers out there. Our F1 drivers have enough savings to see them through this tough (laughs) economic period. Yeah, (laughs) but Kunal, I think one driver who may have no issue whatsoever is Lance Stroll. (laughs) I should have guessed that coming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, we can't go a single episode without making some fun of Lance, right? I also had Melroy tweet this very point to me on, you know, a couple of days ago that, if, if there's one driver who may not ever have an issue, it's Lance Stroll, right? But uh, also remember, you know, engineers may be working from home on the cars, but, uh, you know, drivers, uh, you know, even if racing on simulators and racing in the virtual Grand Prix counts as working from home, they don't get paid for it. <laughs> not real money, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it is working from home for them. but Yeah, racing from home. <laughs> but yeah, there's no money to be made and there are no championship points to be scored. But if only. Yes, yes. but there are fans to be won. It was, well, it was the quite, well the, appreciated. The way the drivers would see it is there are fans to be won for Formula One because fans are a currency for Formula One, not the drivers specifically. I mean, okay, let's not get into like technical details there. But on to our last major topic of this episode. It's about Helmut Marko. It's about some of the more outrageous, funny statements he's made in the last few days. Helmut Marko actually said that Max Verstappen was terrified about catching the coronavirus and that it would be better if he contracted the virus now. Right. Wow. I can't believe he said that. Like he, he actually explained how Verstappen isn't in the risk category and all of that. But it's just some crazy thought and statement to make that it would be best if Verstappen caught the virus 
now i still can't get over it yeah like this is the right window you know <laughs> right window to catch yes, the vibe right exactly. strategy in the season <laughs> <laughs> and he actually sounds like you know some people have been reading on twitter because they're of the opinion that okay everyone will basically eventually catch the virus so may as well catch it now and deal with it rather than like postponing it for later well to each his own that's all i can say and uh, speaking of other things uh, helmet marco said he said that the five cancelled races uh, amounts to a 100 million dollar loss to formula Uh, so it's nice to see some numbers coming up. Right. Yeah. And just for the sake of comparison, I remember that in the second season of Drive to Survive, uh, Horner said that Pierre Gasly's crashes in uh, pre-season testing did cost Red Bull Racing about two million euros. Yeah. I mean, I would love to know how they've gotten these numbers, but why not? Numbers are always welcome in the secretive world of Formula One. But uh, you know, Michelle, what this actually means is that Helmut Marco. has two wishes for max verstappen in 2020 he actually wishes for the worst which is verstappen contracting the coronavirus and then he also wishes the best for max when he's going to say that max will become the youngest ever world champion in history by beating lewis hamilton to the title wow <laughs> well like, said like like talk of extremes that's what you know helmet marco seems to be all about on one hand it's about a life threatening disease and on the other hand it's a life changing moment kural you couldn't have said it better and that is going to be the theme and the the uh, main topic of this Thank podcast you. Yeah. i mean all, all in a matter of months verstappen is going to have his worst and best moments if it is for helmet marco's goal is coming true <laughs> i can't get over it i can't either uh, also some more closing notes actually uh, esteban ocon he said that mercedes's secrecy levels are so high that he had literally no clue that the das was being built true and he also said <laughs> that the das was built after he left mercedes you know i actually find it very hard to believe that mercedes spoke to the fi regarding the das got all the clarifications in december because that's when ocon sort of left uh, you know being a mercedes driver uh, and you know started going on his way to renault right and then uh, mercedes took the time to build the system and even tested it in february on their racing car i'm pretty sure that the lead times were much longer than what he you know he's explaining it to be so maybe just ocon didn't know enough yeah exactly that's what i think too mercedes just didn't want him to know Gunal, I just hope that Ocon's promise to Renault wasn't about bringing secrets and you know inside dope from Mercedes, <laughs> because if that was the case, then the DAS has left him seriously exposed. It's blown his cover already. I know, right? That way early into his relationship with Renault, I think we have to wait for Drive to Survive three to find out more <laughs> about this. Finally, on to MotoGP. MotoGP is following Formula One's uh, lead to host a virtual Grand Prix. Their first race will actually be this weekend, right? But the big difference between what MotoGP is, you know, trying to do and what Formula One did was that MotoGP has actually promised that its star riders will participate in the virtual Grand Prix. So, Mark Marquez, uh, you know, Vinales, Alex Rins, all of them have been confirmed for the virtual race. So it sounds so exciting. Yeah, and Valentino Rossi had confirmed, but he's pulled out just minutes before we began. to record this episode let's hope that it wasn't a phone call from lewis hamilton that got rossi <laughs> to pull out of the moto gp virtual race yeah but could i know where you're going with this you're going to say what you always do that moto gp is doing what formula 1 did but they're just doing it better and they're not making a gimmick out of virtual races at least not yet not yet yeah. right And speaking of virtual races, I for one was really disappointed with the driver lineup for Formula One's uh, first virtual Grand Prix. And I can tell you, they you could have done so much yeah. better. And I can tell you that you weren't the only one disappointed, right? 
But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've had we've had a lot of fun uh, recording this episode, and we will see you in a couple of days. Adios. Zimbabwe. <clears throat> the broken Bunsen burner burns so bright. South. Jamie. Southeast Asian Peninsula. Hey, hey, Jamie. Yes. I think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could save big. Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch to history, progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.